You've probably heard the saying that the customer is king or the customer is always right. And whether you agree with that or not, we all know that customers have options. They have choices. They don't have to do business with you. They can walk away. Shoot, you're a customer. Put your consumer hat on for a second and think about today how you do business with the companies on your terms. The cable company overbills you. You change providers. The information you need to find someone else is just a few mouse clicks away or at your fingertips through your cell phone. It's instantaneous. You, the customer, are a force to be reckoned with, not cattle to be herded. Okay, now put your business hat back on. How do you manage and harness the force field created by customers like you? That's what we're going to talk about today with my outstanding guest, Mr. Chuck Wall. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, brought to you by Business MO LLC. We're going to talk about the power that customers have, how the marketplace has been transformed, and what all this means for your business. But first, let me tell you about Chuck. He's the founder and CEO of Market Power Group, It's a business performance advisory firm based in Texas, and he helps clients know their customers better, helps them solve problems, helps them discover new opportunities and make better decisions about how to build better companies. Chuck is a lifelong entrepreneur who's created seven companies across multiple industries, including one he sold to Google last year. He's a contributor to Forbes and Fast Company and the author of two books, including one we're going to talk about today. Customer CEO, how to profit from the power of your customers. It's such an honor and a privilege to have him here today. Welcome to Business Confidential, Chuck. Hey, thanks, Anna. It's great to be with you. What a great introduction. I, you know, <laughs> just I hope I can live up to any half of what you just said. So that's great. Oh no, no, no! I have no doubts about that, Chuck. I've I've read your work. I've spoken to you. And I mean, I'm curious about the title of your book, Customer CEO. Uh, are you suggesting the customer is always right? No, absolutely not. In fact, um, the the inspiration for the title was simply a little more modern way to uh, help today's business person recognize. Since we you know love to throw around this term of CEO, um, you know, it was a more modern way to say the customer is king or the customer's boss, but. As we, we wrestle with this in business constantly, uh, in fact, uh, we find that a lot of times customers are just absolutely nuts. I mean, they're crazy. They're confused. They're um, cantankerous. They're just all over the place. And I guess who can blame them given the, the uh, rapid um, development of information today that's really kind of opened this pipeline for people to know as much about a business and its cost and its you know, backroom dealings than, than probably ever before in history. So it's a, it's a time when the reality is that people are not particularly rational as customers, but for business people, they've got to 
recognizes instead of being upset or irritated, uh, they, they've got to look at this as a market reality and then adjust their go-to-market strategies accordingly. Yeah, let's talk about that market reality. I mean, you did quite a bit of research for your book. Tell us about that research. Well, a number of years ago, I was fortunate to um, begin working in the space of market research kind of informally. I had had a career in the, the radio broadcasting industry and sales and was always very curious about, you know, why people did the things they did in business. But that led to this conversation of why their customers, the consumers who came into to the car dealerships or the stores, why did they do the things that they did? So I began to informally do focus groups going back into the late 80s, I guess, 1987, 1988, probably. I was fascinated that it, it, the things we learned, uh, both you know, good, bad, and ugly, obviously, in, <clears throat> in terms of how people processed information, how they saw ad campaigns, how they, they perceived products and services and so forth. So that kind of set us on the, the pathway to continual learning for our clients. And so really for the better part of, gosh, 20 years now or so, we've done an enormous amount of research, some for global national brands that you'd recognize instantly, all the way down to little entrepreneurial startups. Um, and what we we found a few years ago is that we had actually spoken with over 125,000 actual customers over that period of time across about 35 or 40 industries. And while that sounds completely unrelated, what we found was that there was a distinct pattern um, that we were beginning to, to see sharpen over the past few years, particularly in terms of what people needed and wanted from companies today. And so that became kind of the basis of what customer CEO is about, something we call the nine powers of the customer. It doesn't apply equally to every industry or every company or certainly every customer, but for sure, these are very similar patterns and elements of behavior that we saw uh, in terms of what customers want and expect today. You just mentioned those nine powers. And looking at your book, one that struck me is the power of me, especially when you talk about millennials these days. And one of the stereotypes that they are labeled with, and I think unfairly, is being narcissistic. And so let's talk a little bit about the power of me. I mean, that we live in a selfie world. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And obviously, in fact, we think that's the most important power for companies to understand. So let's th let's flip that coin over for a second and say, if it's all about them, meaning the customer, all about me, it can't all be about you. And if you think about, for instance, let's just take uh, the issue of, of advertising. If we were to compare five or six you know, television commercials or, or brochures or print ads, something like that for any kind of company, how many of those are written from the point of view from the customer or the viewer as opposed to the story that the company is attempting to broadcast about itself? Uh, one of the things we've, just a quick uh, point about this is that for years we've tested advertising campaigns for companies and you know how often people are proud that they were established since 1927, you know, serving serving America, you know, here at our bank or whatever the, the category may be. Well, that is a very company-focused point of view. What we've come to find is that if you've been in business for 
three to five years, the typical consumer gives you complete credibility. They could care less that you've been in business 75 years or 100 years. And yet if you think about this kind of legacy branding that companies do, uh, it's really irrelevant and misses the point of being focused on the needs of that customer. So when we talk about the power of me, we shortened it to the question of, you know, that every consumer is asking themselves, whether consciously or subconsciously, is, hey, what's in this for me? And that's how every company should approach every decision they're making in terms of, of, you know, strategy, pricing, branding. You have to look at it from the customer's point of view today as opposed to yourself. I think that's really a very powerful concept. Also, in terms of risk management, I mean, that may sound a little weird, but as I'm listening to it and I have my lawyer hat on, if the customer is focused on, well, what's in it for me, which isn't a new take, really, but it may be more concentrated today and, and more focused on that than ever before, then that makes it more incumbent on companies to manage the customer's expectations that much more carefully because otherwise they may be reading something into marketing copy that's not there and then get disappointed in the product, in a worst case, complain about it, and the horrible case, sue over it. So managing expectations becomes a part of that power of me. Yeah, and I think what's happening too is that, to your point, what's happened today with social media particularly is that this idea is amplified, right? It's it's that, yes, it's always been there, but today it's almost manic in terms of, you know, how prevalent it is. And we can also take the other side of it. You know, we can look at brands who maybe go overboard. They're almost pandering or cloying to their audience, you know, so that suddenly they're losing authenticity and they're not really particularly honest in, in what they're messaging. So, you know, maybe the ad has a, a particular hook in this sense that it's all about me. But when you get to the store, the the way you're treated, the way the merchandise is, you know, available, whatever it might be, just isn't there. And it's so you, you've got to be very consistent once you go down this pathway. If you're truly going to be customer centric, which is what this is all about, then you have to be customer centric. <laughs> you can't just pay lip service to it which again is this is a transition period for companies because they're they're having to shift from this all the things we learned in business school um you know which was you know it's all about beating the competition it's all about you know the bottom line and well in today's marketplace it's not quite that simple it's much more nuanced and and more complex it's all that and a whole lot more right <laughs> yes <laughs> it's it's uh it's not for the uh it's not for the faint at heart, that's for sure. That's that's true. But, you know, it's it's so funny. You talk about how an advertisement may say one thing and then the customer's actual experience is something totally different. I saw a comment, and I don't remember what article it was about, but it had something to do with an ad. And the comment was, well, you know, I really don't care about your ad. I would really appreciate a call center that's located here in the U.S. with people I can understand that don't keep me on hold for 40 minutes to answer my question. Oh, and a phone number on your website. (laughs) Things like that. (laughs) It was just comical, the frustration. Absolutely. And I think think, um, endemic in all of these things we're talking about is what's really happened is this, is that companies tend or have, have traditionally tended to think of themselves as what? 
we are product producers. We are product sellers. Oh, you know, maybe service, but in other words, we're delivering this product at the best price available, etc. Well, what's happened today is because the barriers to competition have come down so dramatically that it's so easy to get into business, you know, in virtually almost every category. That today, what customers differentiate brands about are the experiences that they are delivered. So it's not just that we make you know a great pizza or that we deliver a great car. It's how we do those things, and that's that's the kind of the next point of, of uh, I think competition out there is how are brands delivering an experience, and the ones who really get that right, whether it's IKEA with you know kind of the the huge, you know, shopping experience and the simplicity of how they offer those things, or whether it's, you know, the Apple Store, which has no counters, where it's literally you and the sales associate working together to solve a problem, you know, right, right there um, in the store. That's radically different than what most of us have experienced in our business careers. So it's it's that experiential aspect today that you know is an expectation. And if you're not competing in that area, then you're going to get left behind. So, Chuck, how is customer experience different from good old customer service? How would you distinguish those, or are they the same? No, I think they are different. I think um, traditionally we thought about customer service, of course, as something happening after the sale. So once we've sold them the goods, you know, gotten them, then we either have to service it or, you know, we might get to service it, but but still, it's more of a mandatory thing. If we think about this relationship that we're trying to build with a customer, think about it this way. It actually spans a much longer period of time because technically our brand wants to get in relationship during the research phase or what now many people call the zero moment of truth. So let's say that you and I decided today we're going to you know, buy a, a new bathtub. Okay. Well, today, because of what's available online, we can go on and search everything about bathtubs that could possibly be learned. So very often before we even talk to, you know, the rep at the bathtub store, the plumbing fixture company or whatever it might be, we've learned everything there is to know about color and density and, you know, porcelain versus aluminum or what, whatever the you know, cases may be on bathtub selection. So we're really experts as consumers before we've ever contacted the company. And this is what, of course, the Internet has done. It's provided this, this door that it's, you don't need the sales rep any longer to educate you. You're educated before you even contact the company. Now you go in and you have your list of things that you need. You decide to buy that bathtub based upon this combination of what you've learned ahead of time and what the rep tells you and their delivery and so forth. Well, now that experience is, you know, through two steps. But now it's going to continue all the way through the time you have that tub to the time you might eventually dispose of it or buy another one. So this experience idea is that it's longer lasting for the company than purely sending out, let's say, a service rep to fix a faucet that's broken. And I hope that, you know, makes more sense, but I think the companies that have only been focused on the service aspect 
really miss this opportunity to build this relationship over time, which is ultimately what we want to do, right? We, it's, it's so much cheaper to, to keep the relationship with our existing customer. Uh, in fact, study after study shows this, that, you know, very often businesses make the mistake. They think every customer they have wants to leave, you know, for a cheaper price. You know, you use the example of, of cable or, 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 say, a cell phone company. Well, the truth is, is that that's not always the case. Customers don't want the inconvenience of leaving or changing. They would prefer, in many cases, to stay with the company they've chosen to begin with. The problem is getting the company to cooperate in maintaining that relationship over time. So it's complicated. There's no doubt about it. But but this experience is the longer-lasting series of touch points, you know, from the beginning to end uh, with that customer. Well, that is certainly a different way of looking at the process as long-term instead of the one-night stand. Yep. So that's a good way. To, good way to put it. Good way to put it. Because <laughs> we have we have this. Well, think about it too. We have this opportunity as business people to to really do something with our 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 brands, which is to to be a constant source or resource. For our customers, you know, I'm I'm reminded of that great movie Miracle on 34th Street. Um, gosh, I guess from the late 1930s or early 40s when it was was done. And if you remember the story, Hannah, it was the fictional story of the real life battle between Macy's and Gimbel's, great department stores in New York City. And right. one of them had had a Santa, they both had Santa Clauses, but this particular Santa Claus who turned out to be the real Santa Claus, of course, um, he would send, if they didn't have the toys in in, the, in their store, he would tell them to go across the street and buy it from the other guys. Well, at first, this enraged the, you know, the management because how could the Santa Claus do that? Well, then they figured out this was the greatest sales thing of all time because the moms could not you know, believe that you know, the store would actually care for their children so much that they would send them to a competitor to buy the toys. So then they began to send them back the other way. It was great. great. It was a great story. And I think it's that idea that brands really have this opportunity. Much of this has been long forgotten because we, you know, we focus on quarterly sales results and, you know, bottom line and, and these, these kind of longer term experiential ideas are based in, you know, time. <laughs> we have to have a longer uh, picture about them in our minds than just, you know, how, how are this week, this month, or this quarter's numbers going to, going to happen. So in all of your research and your experience over the years, Chuck, in, in working with different brands and, and helping businesses sort of get a better handle on it, what, what has been the biggest misconception you've discovered that businesses have about their customers? I believe you could summarize it in one thing, and that is that most brands today assume they know more about their customers than they really do. Because usually what's happened is, is that in the beginning, you know, when they were new and bold and you know, they had this great idea, they were out there in the field, uh, you know, management, the founders, whoever that might be, we're actively engaged in understanding the needs of those customers. And the only way the business survived was, of course, you know, 
baking the kind of bread that they wanted or, or you know, giving them uh, the best dry cleaning possible or, you know, the best air conditioning service or whatever, you know, whatever the industry might be. But as business grows and changes, management and founders become more isolated from reality. And they believe that the reality today is based upon what they learned five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, God forbid, 75 years ago. So I think the mistake that businesses make is that they do not have an ongoing, um, let's call it a system, uh, a methodology, a process to continually engage, or as I call it, taking the pulse of the customer market all the time. And the irony is that today, it's actually cheaper and easier to do. You just have to have the discipline and the humility, to be honest. You have to be humble enough to say, we don't know everything there is to know about today's customer, and then regularly uh, measure it. And this is through a combination of what I call customer thinking. It's a balance of data. Uh, On one hand, if we think about big data, with all the wonderful tools and you know analytics that we can gain today on behavior and uh, how people use our products and services, it's phenomenal. But big data does not replace what I'll call big insight. And insight primarily is the human ability. That's the, this inner connectivity that you know it's actually spending time in interviews and. Uh, surveys and focus groups and panel discussions and so forth to truly learn what people are thinking, why they're you know going with this trend or why they are rejecting this product category, whatever it might be. And you're only going to know that if you're actively out there doing it. Interesting. So that's really the best way that companies can improve the customer experience, more to engage with them more, Find out what they're thinking. Absolutely, and you think you know. Think again. Just whatever is the simplest mental picture that you know our listeners can gain today. Think about that one-to-one relationship across the counter at any kind of a store, right? Where the customer has come in, they requested something, and the person waiting on them is the owner of the business. Well, that's a direct line of communication where. You know, the the customer is saying, "I really like this about what you offer," or "I really don't." <laughs> I and so it's like instant feedback, right? Um, right? It's not just a complaint about price; it's this instantaneous feedback, and that's what we've lost as you know we've become big boxes and multinational chains and you know franchise operations and so forth. We've lost the ability sometimes to truly connect with what that customer's needs are. And, uh, you know, obviously we can't, you know, spend, everyone's got jobs to do. We can't spend uh, eight hours a day only listening to customers. But if we sample enough people along the way on a continual basis, we can clearly transform ourselves back into this, you know, customer-first, customer-centric kind of business. So is that the type of thing that Market Power Group does for their customers? Absolutely. We've, we've shifted over the years from more of a marketing company into this, uh, let's call it an insight type of business as a predicate. We, we believe that if companies are not willing to, to begin to do that, then you know they're just missing a huge opportunity. 
And so we, we work with customers really kind of across five areas of their business. We, we help gain the insight and kind of market intelligence they might be missing. We then uh, help them clarify their brand and understand how that information we've learned in the field, you know, should impact that. Then we help them create a better strategy to, you know, to win more effectively. From there, it's installing these customer-first kind of systems and processes, you know, to build the experience more. And finally, it's, as we like to call it, bring everybody along. It's internal branding, the internal training, so that companies are able to uh, to really fulfill the promise that they're that they're making. So it's a it's a holistic thing for businesses today to to begin to think about from the you know from the beginning to the end that they want to figure out how to serve these these you know, wacky customers that are out there <laughs> with their irrational demands. <laughs> and how to synchronize that all up. You know, I'm, I am curious, with all the research that you did for uh, customer CEO, what was the biggest aha moment that you had? Something that you discovered that maybe you didn't expect when you first started down that path? I think what we realized was when we were looking at great, let's call them iconic brands, you know, the, again, the the Apples and Southwest Airlines and so forth, we found this really interesting pattern, I think, that emerged for us of how these companies thought differently than so many other companies. And so it became really clear to us that, wow, that's why there's only a handful of these people. There's just, in fact, we started off with a list of 200 companies we wanted to study, and we ended up reducing it to... 35 that we wrote about in the book. And uh, frankly, what those 35 companies had in common was this kind of uncanny ability to um, to understand the things I'm speaking about. Many of them just kind of inherently did it. You know, others, they had founders that were just really uh, phenomenally perceptive and visionaries, I think, in this in this regard. Now, of course, as more and more companies are beginning to understand these ideas, um, they're putting pressure on those iconic brands to continue to be great. So I think the bottom line is it's good for business, it's good for employees, it's good for owners, and ultimately it's really great for customers because they're going to get better service, better experiences all the way through. Sounds like a win-win all around. Now, we're just about out of time, Chuck, but I did want our listeners to find out where they could get a copy of Customer CEO, How to Profit from the Power of Your Customers. Where could they find it? Well, they, of course, we love to support local local bookstores if they have it. If they don't, they can certainly order it through Barnes & Noble. Um, however, Amazon.com has always got copies ready to ship out in any moment of the, of the day, so... Uh, that's kind of the way the business has shifted to an online business as well. So, so it's available just about just about everywhere, then, right? That's right. That's right. They can say wherever books are sold, right? <laughs> wherever books are sold, that's right. Your favorite bookseller, online or around the corner. You know, I noticed that besides the mission of helping businesses turn customers into raving fans, you also have a generous social mission for your book, having to do with providing clean water systems. Tell us about that. Yeah, we uh, we love um, a nonprofit called Compassion International, who 
developed a very unique, low-cost solution several years ago, developing nation villages where they found that people have to walk miles every day back and forth to get clean water. So they developed a very, very, very simple solution. It's very economical where people can actually put dirty water in a in a bucket, basically, and through a, a filtering system, they have clean water. And rather than have to spend the money for developing large water infrastructure projects, which is happening and wonderful, and that's great, this is an interim solution for people, and it's really changed uh, millions of lives. So we we actively support Water for Life, and uh, people can read more about that at uh, Compassion International. Um, I believe that website is compassion.com backslash water for life. Super. What a dynamic combination of heart and soul. So if you're listening, please get a copy of Customer CEO. It will do a lot of good. You'll feel good. Your business will do better. And people who need some clean water will love you for it. That's for sure. And any parting thoughts or advice for our listeners before we close? Well, I think, as I tell people so often today, that you know, if you're not doing a lot of these things, you don't have to overnight do all of them well. But you need to first decide philosophically, can we build a better business, a better business future for everyone, if we focused more on this customer centricity idea as opposed to the way we've done business? And if you really believe that, then start off on you know a path to begin to get yourself there. Um, I believe it'll pay huge dividends for your business. It'll set you apart in the marketplace, and you know you'll never look back. And I just think that's. Uh, but don't be overwhelmed um, with it. It's like anything else; you have to put your toe in first, and and uh, and then you can you know then you can get better over time. So baby steps are better than no steps. That's right. My favorite movie. <laughs> what about Bob? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Touche. Well, thank you so much, Chuck, for your time, for your insights, for having written Customer CEO. I think that's wonderful. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website again is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential now is because you don't have time to wait, so just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success.
Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.